Hi, Sonia. Um, Hi, Serge. So you are um, a neuroscientist and uh, a meditator and yoga practitioner or yoga teacher? Yes, yes. Uh, for, for some years, yeah, now, yes. And um, so what we're talking about is get a sense of what these various activities mean to you, how you combine them, what's your experience of um, mindfulness? Well, Kurt, um, I, uh, I do believe that meditation, uh, as you well pointed out now, is a collection of practices. And this is very important because, uh, especially in our in our society, which is is very different from um, an education, say in a monastery or uh, in the in the traditional guru student relationship, uh, it's very important for all of us to have access to practices, or in other words, that we utilize the tools that best suit our lifestyles and best suit our our current uh, skills and, and personality. Um, so despite that, all of these practices will eventually merge one with another. And the effects that they have on the brain and physiology um, will all have to occur, whether it's a feeling of focused attention, a feeling of uh, control over what we attach to and what we detach from, uh, a sense of compassion and um, uh, inner desire to to be, have an open heart and to give to the world, to give back, uh, to a deep sense of, of, of meaning of self. Uh, so I, I introduce the topic this way because I do think it's important to know that all tools are part of a sequential learning of meditation, mm-hmm. and it, it is progressive. So all of these have to occur for the advanced practitioner, the advanced meditator. Um, specifically, uh, if you ask me what I practice um, at this point in my life, um, I I mostly practice sound meditation and uh, what is very, very broadly known as uh, compassion or loving-kindness meditation. Mm-hmm. And this is a very broad definition, as you well know. Um, there is no set technique uh, for that. Um, there are traditions which uh, emphasize um, loving-kindness and compassion. Um and yet we scientists are still trying to define a particular protocol or the elements of that protocol that are significant for acquiring that skill. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe we can talk a little bit more about um, the way you practice it and, uh, you know, what it consists of. Absolutely. So sound meditation, uh, I will define as um, 
any uh, numinous sound, any sacred sound that is done from various traditions in a repetitive manner. And um, it is usually melodic, meaning that it's accompanied by, by a very particular uh, melody and a, at a very particular tone on the scale. And um, this traditionally is uh, regarded as important because the tone of each sound will resonate with a particular part of the body, uh, whether it's our physical body or our subtle body. Mm-hmm. So, um, so whether it's a mantra or a particular positive affirmation or what we call seed sounds or bij sounds, bij is seed in Sanskrit, um, these are done to resonate, to entrain uh, parts of the body. Um, and um, there there are very defined tones that are associated with, with uh, in this manner. So in my practice, um, I find it very important to start by setting intention. And that might be uh, most frequently... Uh, a giving of thanks, uh, a feeling, developing a feeling of gratitude within. And, um, you know, that can be an enumeration of those things that we are grateful for. Mm-hmm. But as I like to say, uh, I am grateful for all that I have and all that I don't have, for mm-hmm. all that has been and for all that has not been. Uh, because it's very important to not create exclusion and duality, uh, one one sense intention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that would be followed uh, by some breathing exercises, otherwise known as pranayama or, or breath, uh, breath control exercises. And these are very important for the next step of sun meditation because if you notice, when we speak, we are exhaling. Speech is the practice of exhalation. Mm-hmm. Therefore, um, it's very important to exercise control over the rhythm and our capacity to inhale and exhale uh, to a particular rhythm and and um, and melody, mm-hmm. uh, so that we can efficiently do so. So, a few breathing exercises, and I would say that that uh, would be anything from. Uh, three to 11 minutes, followed by specific uh, mantras or um, or prayers or simply sacred names or sounds that uh, are associated to positive imagery, um, positive affirmation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, loving kindness. And, and there are so, many. so I'm, I'm I'm just interrupting you to notice that uh, in what you mentioned there is you know the importance of the the setup. They're not just diving into the sound, but there is that intentionality, and um, and the intentionality is about the gratitude for both what you have and what you don't have. So kind of coming into a certain uh, mental emotional uh, state of being. Uh, and then the breathing, uh, so that there is, um, you know, a sense of also connecting with the rhythms of breathing that are going to be part of sound. 
Absolutely. That is correct. And now, uh, you know, you were describing the kinds of um, sound. Yes, yes. So uh, the most well-known structured or or uh, prospectively designed uh, sound meditations, uh, as you all well know, are mantras. Um, mantras are said to not only carry the imagery uh, that is um, that is important, not absolutely necessary. We we frequently say mantras that we that that do not have literal translation, um, but have been given emotional significance. Whether it's the uh, the characteristics of um, of something greater and universal, and uh, that have the attributes of positivity and warmth and mm-hmm. strength and courage and so forth. Um, so mantras are, are part of my practice, and I should say that um, mantras are important because they are directed. They're directed meditations, um, and often they are divided in into the mantras that are protective mantras or that are healing mantras mm-hmm. or that are mantras for uh, success, prosperity, and it's interesting that we talk about this because um, there's there's nothing uh, crazy about this because we know physiologically that someone that is confident has a set of um, of characteristics uh, that differ greatly from someone that is vulnerable someone that is afraid, just as an animal would sense the fear of a human. Mm -hmm. Also, as we walk into, let's say, a job interview, uh, there are all sorts of physiological responses that are detected by another person. And so uh, one can very well hypothesize that these mantras elicit the body conditions that um, generate that sense of charisma. Mm-hmm. and confidence that mm-hmm. are transmitted to someone else. And, and uh, I am sure that in, in the next few years, um, since med- contemplative sciences have increased uh, exponentially and there's so much research being done, including our own research, that we will see that there is a direct correlation between the two. Yeah, yeah, um, and you were and you were describing before the way that the mantra uh, has a sound that resonates um, inside. So and and maybe uh, elicits uh, certain parts of our being. So it's not about faking it, but it's about right. coming into resonance with that part and connecting with it in a way that it comes more to the foreground. Absolutely, that is correct. That is correct. So there are mantras, but there are also simpler uh, prayers and affirmations that can be repeated uh, to enforce um, these uh, these changes that we're talking about, and they can be in any language. Um, of course, traditionally, uh, when one looks at um, at language and and um, the development of these practices. Uh, it is. It is also said that um, 
the further away the language is from uh, these more these these languages of antiquity that were not really meant for colloquial speech and communication, but were um, meant for the sacred, for creating a sacred space. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be uh, a loss of of um, internal innate. Uh, power or shakti or what you want to call it Mm -hmm. in the sounds themselves because sounds are a collection of vowels and and consonants. Vowels have tremendous amount of power and consonants propel the force of and and manifest the force of the vowels. So when these these are combined purposefully for a certain effect that might be different from um, uh, heavily changed speech uh, for common day uh, communication. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. However, however, these may be a more accessible to to people that um, are beginning meditation or have religious or or, or other belief systems that um, uh, prevent them from fully resonating with mantra. Mm-hmm. And it can be very powerful from an emotional standpoint because it helps create healthy patterns of, in our feelings and um, and aid us in self-control of our behaviors and thoughts. Um, so, so there's a tr- there's a trade-off between um, uh, sounds where the uh, vowels and consonants are really purposefully uh, chosen to 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 have maximum resonance inside and something that has more meaning at a cognitive level in your own language I believe so and mm-hmm. this is yet to be to be shown uh, by science but I do believe that that's the case mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are alternatives and um, it is very important also to touch upon upon seed sounds, seed sounds that, um, interestingly, actually, it's fascinated, are found throughout cultures, uh, sounds that uh, are not um, related to, to any particular language, uh, whether it's the sound ma, M-A, uh, which is a very soothing, nourishing sound, as in mother, uh, to the ahs and the ehs and many seed sounds that one can practice, uh, again, to stimulate and to tone centers of the body, uh, whether it's the kidneys, the, the glands of the head, um, the liver, the spleen, and uh, you find this in both Western and Eastern traditions, and um, uh, it has been part of the teaching, teachings that have been transmitted to myself and that I practice to to focus some time of my meditation to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a that's a intentionally uh, directing the energy toward uh, organs or toward parts of the body. Uh, through the, yeah, yeah. Yes, that is correct. That is correct. And finally, um, my meditation session would, would end with, um, circling back to the intention set 
and to um, despite the the wave of of thoughts that come in and come out, there's a moment of silence where uh, one even though one may have a particular wish uh, or trait that one wants to evolve, um, it is very important to disconnect from that wish and and um, and have this um, this expanded view of what is good and what can come of our meditation. In other words, to detach. Mm-hmm. And to leave it, and to leave it to uh, the forces of nature that um, that one has uh, enabled to flow within us, to work as they need to work, and to take place without our intervention, without our control, and to just let it flow. Yeah. So intentionality, but at the same time, the non-attachment. That's correct. And that would that would end a session for myself. Um, I would say also uh, to you and to your and to your audience that um, uh, meditation really requires, particularly in our society, um, associated movement. It's very important. Uh, we do not have the lifestyle um, of monks in, in a monastery and the calm and quiet of nature most of the time, um, and so. Very often we're in an environment that is not um, in equal manner conducive of quietness and, and solitude and contemplation. But uh, we cannot change that. We, we need to be meditators in our society, in our own environments. We need to be able to um, manage stress and, and, and meditate, whether it's in our offices, at home with children, um, wherever we need to, so that we can have the clarity to make decisions and to avoid impulse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and why am I saying this? I'm saying this because um, that is the role of a human being. Um, so we we oftentimes need to develop our vehicle, our body, and our mind to be able to meditate. Um, in this in this more stressful environment, mm-hmm. and and movement, uh, you know, in the West, we have been trained uh, to to do physical exercise, and finally, science has recognized that um, uh, the way we feel affects our bodies, and and that exercise is a very important component in education. However, we've given it only a competitive edge. And it's very important that exercise as well be healing, that Mm -hmm. it be directed to nourishing and replenishment. And so it is very important to connect, uh, you know, movement to meditation and to respiration, to pranayam, because in that manner, physical exercise becomes uh, exactly that restorative, regenerative, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and age-defying. It's it's very important. Just trying to uh, just attempting to reach the goals of meditation. Uh, to give you a, a concrete example, to sit down and to try to deny our thoughts, or to be still, or to um, 
to feel the right way or to do the right thing um, in, in an unhealthy body might have ill repercussions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, for many, many reasons. And so, so, so the, 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 the phrase that I, I seize on that you were saying is to deny yourself, to deny ourselves. So that's the exact opposite. We're not denying the self and certainly not denying the, the reality of what's happening in the moment. But by being connected to ourself, uh, you know, there's the possibility of actually something happening. That is correct. That is correct. And therefore, um, it is very important to um, associate meditation and correlate meditation to many different aspects of our life, um, how we speak. It's very important to refrain from negative speech uh, towards ourselves or towards others. It's very important to select words that are um, a glass half full and not half empty. Mm-hmm. It's very important to not use words such as hate um, and I cannot do it because these all affect and and um, and uh, dirty the mind that we're trying to clean. Yeah, um, but I'm also so. hearing as you're describing it that. Um, this is not a sense of being in a tension about, oh my God, I don't have to do this, I don't have to do that, but really more of that mindful attention uh, to yeah. notice the fork in the road. Oh, I might be tempted to go in this direction, and I consciously decide to realign in order to see the glass half full. So yeah. there is a sense of that uh, you know, gentle control of who we want to be. Yes, that is correct. That is correct. Hmm. So, as you're talking about these things from the perspective of both a practitioner, you know, who sees the value of it in your own life, but also somebody who is involved in research about the effects of mindfulness. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I, I cannot separate the two, the two veins that uh, flowed through me. I've been a practitioner um, since I was very young, even before I graduated in, in neurosciences and biochemistry. And and yet, you know, the two, the two aspects, in particular, the brain and uh, the mind which are two separate entities. The mind does not equate to brain. Uh, the mind is a space much vaster than brain, which has no uh, physical location, only a neuronal correlate mm-hmm. that we know when the mind is affected, there is an effect on the brain. Um, and so I've always been fascinated with the two, and I always knew that they would be part of my life and um uh yes uh even though i will say this i do not need the science or the evidence uh to be certain of my practice uh however uh science should be at the service of these traditions to bring the evidence and to enhance the faith in their working mhm 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 So, 
Just uh, checking. It feels like it might be a good place to stop, but just wanted to see if there's something else you want to add. Um, nothing particular. Uh, I, you know, I, um, I do hope that uh, meditation in the next few years become uh, a family and uh, and a social activity. Um, right now, we're 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 facing two dilemmas in our society with our children. Uh, there's a rampant increase in the number and type of uh, disorders or or challenges in children uh, that are related to stress. And oftentimes, parents come to me and ask how and how their children can learn to meditate. Um, and um, and they're not very interested in doing so themselves. And um, hmm. I, uh, I, you know, I I try to remind them that um, it's difficult to tell a child to do something that we don't model. It's it's very important that we that we walk the walk and talk the talk. And uh, the more support that there is from the family, the more mindful attention, mindful eating, mindful uh, mindful walking uh, we embed into our lives, uh, that will etch a pattern in the child's uh, life that um, will benefit them tremendously. Um, and I think this is extremely important. Uh, uh, the child may or may not, at a certain age, in particular teenagers, um, given the peer pressure and 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 while these practices are still uh, a little out of the box, mm-hmm. um, it is still important that we parents and educators and 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 counselors um, continue to practice and model and ask questions and 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 uh, provide this platform of living so that they have these, this toolbox to, to be resilient in life and to face their challenges. And it's something that they, they do listen to, and it is there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's, a, that's a, an added incentive, in a way, if not for ourselves, uh, as a model for those we love. Yes, I I couldn't say that better. Yes, it is. It is. I would even say it is our responsibility, Serge. Mm-hmm. It is our responsibility to teach this to young generations. It is a social responsibility. Mm. Thanks, Sonia. You're most welcome. This is part of the Active Pause podcast at activepause.com. We embed into our lives. uh, That will etch a pattern in the child's uh, life that um, will benefit them tremendously. Um, And I think this is extremely important. the child may or may not, at a certain age, in particular teenagers, um, given the peer pressure and 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 while these practices are still uh, a little out of the box, mm-hmm. um, it is still important that we parents and educators and 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 counselors um, continue to practice 
and model and ask questions and 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 uh, provide this platform of living so that they have these this toolbox to to be resilient in life and to face their challenges and it's something that they they do listen to and it is there Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's a, that's a, an added incentive in a way, if not for ourselves, uh, as a model for those we love. Yes, I I couldn't say that better. Yes, it is. It is. I would even say it is our responsibility, Serge. Mm-hmm. It is our responsibility to teach this to young generations. It is a social responsibility. Hmm. Thanks, Sonia. You're most welcome. This is part of the Active Pause podcast at activepause.com.